plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Indeed it does. It starts right now. Party time. Hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. It is an informational playground. It's brought to you by Be the Star You Are Charity. And um, and produced by Star Style Productions. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and I hope to seed and stimulate and support space for positive, meaningful conversations. Well, what do you think now that um, our country is opening up just a little bit more? Did you have a good weekend, a good Father's Day? Uh, I certainly did. I got to see my uh, granddaughter, my brand new baby granddaughter. And she's darling. She's so teeny tiny, just a little peanut. Uh, and uh, you forget how quickly kids grow. So you have to enjoy every moment. Well, let me tell you what we're going to be talking about today, because I think it's going to be an important show. Uh, in segment one, which will be coming up soon, we're going to talk about battling food insecurity and how to grow in your own groceries, because global food waste is equal to one third of all available Food. Can you imagine that a third of all the food in the world is going to waste? So I want to explain how you can save money and not waste it and also eat healthy by planting the crops that you enjoy. In our segment two, an important, um, an important segment because so many people feel that they're forgetting more, especially after this year of pandemic where we were so isolated. I have so many people are concerned about um, are they just forgetting or is it more serious? Are they kind of, you know, having a cognitive uh, dementia moment? Uh, so we'll discuss that and what you need to be looking out for because there are tests that might be necessary uh, that can help you with a better conclusion. And then finally, um, Be the Star You Are, as you know, is all about building literacy school uh, skills in children. And if you want to do that, give a child a book. The first few months and years of life are critical opportunities to build those connections in the brain that are going to last a lifetime. So reading is about the interaction between the reader and the child. And we really want to give you a prescription for reading. Well, today is um, National Nonprofit Day. California's nonprofit day and the recognition as a um, nonprofit brings deserved attention to all these outstanding nonprofits and illustrates the remarkable diversity and vibrancy that California's nonprofit community is making. Sadly, um, many nonprofits have had to close their doors this year and we've been able to remain open, but it's been um, challenging. And of course, you know, when you're not able to meet in person, your services are reduced as well. So if you would like to celebrate 
Nonprofit Day with Be The Star You Are. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org and uh, make a donation. Even a dollar helps, you know. I mean, it's not playing the lottery, but you are making a difference for somebody else. So the Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are charity. Again, the website is BeTheStarYouAre.org. And this is by John F. Kennedy. Take a deep breath of life and consider how it should be lived. The highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. (sighs) That's a good one, right? So in other words, let's walk our talk. Be the star you are. Live with integrity. Well, Joseph Addison, who was an essayist and poet, wrote uh, that he values his garden more for being full of blackbirds than of cherries and very frankly give them fruit for their songs. And I have to say, after months of intently watching my two cherry trees blossom and form fruit, I was absolutely aghast as flocks of birds began to dearly swarm the branches and then they flew away with the unripe cherries in their beaks. And his uh, quote, Joseph Addison's quote, it it eased my anxiety a bit because I will say those happy trills of the full bird bellies did fill the air with a a soulful melody. It was sort of like an orchestra of bird song. And from my bench perch, I witnessed so many different kinds of birds, stellar jays, blackbirds, sparrows, finches, warblers, orioles, robins, doves. And um, many other unknown feathered friends, and they were all dining on my crop. And although, you know, I kept talking to them and instructing my flying diners to eat at the buffet at the top of the tree, since I don't speak avian, uh, they ate wherever they landed. And so often it was on the lower branches, the only branches I could reach. But my reward was their entertainment and witnessing so many species mingling and singing and you know just to watch the birds this time of year really does bring you joy and again especially when oh you know it is our it's our privilege to be outside and breathe fresh air and to watch nature now in general cherries don't ripen once they are picked so i have to tell you it took a lot of patience for me to wait until the bing cherries turned purple and the Queen Anne cherries had that blush rose on their yellow skins before I grabbed a basket to harvest um, what was still available on the tree. Now, of course, netting a tree is the way to protect your investment when you have a small tree. But when your trees grow like mine do, and they're 20 to 30 feet, netting is a bit more rigorous. I mean, it's not impossible, but for one person it is. Like, My daughter-in-law was able to gather enough cherries from her family plot to make what is my very favorite pie, cherry pie. And her family uses these extra long bamboo poles and they wrap netting around them to cover their tall trees to protect them from the marauders. However, it takes several family members to accomplish the task. And in my garden, there's only me. So I don't have anybody else helping me to wrap poles and get up to the 20 or 30 feet. In fact, before this show started, I'm still in the process of repairing my deck. And um, all morning until about 20 minutes before the show, I was painting. uh, Well, not yes, I was. I I was priming 
the wood and then some of the wood I was painting. I got two coats on some of the wood. And hopefully, because it's so light out now, and we've had our first day of summer, which means we are now going to start losing light. We had the longest day of the year on June 21st. Um, I hopefully will have an hour or so after the show is over, and I will uh, be able to go out and paint some more. That's what I would I would like to do, and then I can do my post-production. <laughs> The mulberries and loquats, by the way, um, are also ripe right now, and we have birds and squirrels and deer, and of course me, all fighting for the feast. And the plums are just now ripening. Usually, they are ripe by this time. I have no idea since the weather has been so hot. Um, and I mean, and, and it's just was a warm winter, and it's been hot, hot here. You know, over. Oh, uh, in the three digits, 101 to 110 degrees. So I don't know why they didn't ripen. But the marvelous part of sparring and squabbling is that nothing goes to waste. Even the fruit that falls, it's gulped up by the rabbits, the quail, um, skunks, raccoons, or any other critters. And while I was weeding around the tree, I disturbed a mama quail who was sitting on her eggs. So, and when foraging, if you go out foraging, quail eggs are also considered a delicacy. I mean, I didn't touch them. She was squawking, you know, away. So I just let her eggs be there. And I'm looking forward to seeing baby quail uh, running around because the mother and father quail stay with the baby quail. And it's very sweet to see. So anyway, these exhibitions made me think about how much humans waste. So one third of all the food that is produced in the world never gets eaten. One third of all the food that gets produced never gets eaten. And think about all the countries where starvation is happening right now and how the uh, how we are being told that by 2050, there's going to be nine billion people and famine is going to be a real problem. So we have to do something about this, right? 63 million tons of food was sent to landfills by Americans in 2018. And that produces methane, which is a greenhouse gas, and that contributes to climate change. And it amounted to more than 408 billion, billion with a B, billion dollars, $408 billion of uneaten goods. I mean, just think about that. And according to the Natural Resources Defense Council, the cost of food waste to the average person is at least $1,600 annually. So uh, again, if by 2050, there's going to be 9 billion people on our planet and food security is going to be a major threat to living any healthy lives, What can we do? What can an individual do to help change this habit of unused consumption? So here are my ideas. Number one, grow your own groceries. Plant fruits, herbs, vegetables that you want to eat. Don't plant everything that you see. Just plant only enough for your family and friends. And if you have extras, you can can them, freeze them, or donate them to a food pantry. And easy and nutritious summer crops would include like tomatoes, beans, carrots, squash, 
eggplant, peppers, and cucumbers. Lettuce and greens can be grown all year round utilizing succession planting. Succession planting is you plant um, a few seeds and then two weeks later, as those are growing, you'll plant a few more seeds and then you just, as you harvest, you plant more seeds. So that's what's called succession planting. Now, right now, artichokes are at the, kind of at the end. So make sure if you have artichokes, I've been eating my artichokes. I, I love them and cabbage, Brussels sprouts. I still have Brussels sprouts growing and my Swiss chard and kale are still going strong. And what I find is that the more you cut it, the more you grow. Although they will start to bolt, um, which means they're going to go to seed when it just gets too hot or too sunny. Now, if you have arugula, save the dried seeds from arugula, and then you can plant it in the fall. I have been uh, cutting my arugula, and I'm saving all the seeds because that's like my absolute favorite green. If you haven't tasted it, we another name for it is rocket salad because it's very peppery spicy and there's different kinds of arugula and they all have a they really add a punch I gotta say I, I think that they're really really good also another way to um to save the planet is you know embrace the ugly deformed plenished and bruised fruit and veggies they still are filled with with vitamins and minerals and nutrition for you they're just not very pretty and so all you have to do is cut off the bad uh, areas you know sometimes you pick an apple off your tree and it has a wormhole or it has you know it's been pecked by a bird well just cut out that area you can still eat it um, so that's very important to know because otherwise you're wasting the second thing is to use all parts of every edible plant you know, the stems of parsley, cilantro, broccoli, and, and all of those, they are usually discarded. What you can do is chop them up. You can use them in stir fries, salads, soups, and sauces, and they are so full of flavor and vitamins, and it helps you get creative with your recipes. I mean, uh, just for lunch today, I was doing, I've made just, uh, I steamed a little bit of dim sum and to make over a salad, but my salad was all of the stems of different, it was parsley and cilantro and, and uh, broccoli and, and some lettuce, you know, and um, carrots. It was all the parts that people don't usually eat. And it was really, really good. The third thing, I talk about it a lot, but I can't emphasize it enough, is to compost, compost, compost. You don't need to have a green thumb to create healthier soil by recycling nutrient-rich eggshells, fruit, vegetable scraps, coffee grinds, tea leaves, brown paper bags, bread, grains, citrus rinds, noodles. You can even um, shred newspapers or paper towels, any of these things that you use. These can all go into your soil and enrich it so that you can grow your vegetables. So you could keep a small covered bin under your sink and when it's full, transfer the contents to a compost pile or a bin outdoors to let it age. And then it'll upgrade your garden um, by all these leftovers. And you'll watch your vegetables and herbs grow strong. You can, if you do have um, more than just a balcony, for example, and you have leaves or lawn clippings, you can add all those things to your compost. And it will really help your garden. 
The next thing is to shop smartly. Before going to the grocery store or farmer's market, make sure you make a list of what you really want to consume until your next shopping foray. Don't buy items you won't need just because they're on sale or because you're shopping when you're hungry. And it's a bad idea to shop when you're hungry because then we buy usually, you know, salty, sweet, processed foods that we can consume right away that are not healthy for you. And um, the next thing, fifth, is expiration dates are not death dates. Food packages exhibit dates when the product is at its best. The sell-by or the use-by date is not a throw-this-away date. The over-cautiousness is leading to excess weight. And the USDA recommends looking for changes in color, flavor, consistency, and smell before you toss anything. And if, if something's spoiled, look to see if you can compost it. So then go back to number three. So we all have the ability and the responsibility to eliminate food waste, which will also help towards reducing climate change. So it is time we start acting like the birds and the animals, where you eat what's fresh and only what we need. And perhaps when we start doing that, there will be enough for everyone everywhere. And I have been enjoying my basket of uh, sweet cherries while still listening to the course of the chirping fowls. I, I actually have a basket sitting here right now. And I am looking forward to having a slice of my daughter-in-law's cherry pie over Independence Day. That'll be my 4th of July treat. So I do think that the birds may know best. It is time to sing. So grow your own groceries and happy gardening and happy growing and when we come back from break, we will be um, talking about worrying about those senior moments, dementia testing, how can you discern what is normal and what is not. You are listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'm so glad that you're with us on this Wednesday right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay with me. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Well, sometimes we really do want to have a party, but when we get there, we forget the names of the people that we meet. And is that just a senior moment, or could it be a sign that something else is going on? I mean, I think all of us have had that experience where you um, think that you've got to go get something. You walk into a room, and then all of a sudden you forgot what you were looking for. Or maybe you're trying to talk about you know, something that you're really familiar with and you can't find the right word. I mean, those little episodes are often dubbed, oh, senior moments, and we joke about them. But generally, they are just temporary lapses in memory. And if we compare people in their 20s with older people, younger people will almost always do better on memory tests. And that is what Dr. David Geffen School of Medicine, uh, Dr. Tang says he's from UCLA. So a lot of the things that we call senior moments might be more attentional or focus related, or it could be processing speed. So information just can't be processed as fast as it used to be as you age. So there are symptoms of if something is worse. So we're going to just discuss that a little bit. So hopefully If you are having these quote unquote senior moments and you're still in your 20s, 30s, you know, or 40s or something, um, you may want to get tested because uh, dementia can happen actually at any age. So trying to discern what is normal age related forgetfulness versus something that's more serious, it really isn't black and white. There's small lapses in memory are usually just no big deal. For example, if you go to this, a party and you're not able to recall the name of a person right away, you know, as soon as you see them, but a little bit later you remember their name. Um, that's less likely to be of concern. But the people who later remember things they've forgotten are more likely to just be experiencing what's called normal age-related memory changes. And that is what uh, Dr. Tang says from UCLA. But The worrisome part is the people who don't remember that they have forgotten something. So that's when the level of suspicion goes up. If you don't remember that you didn't remember, (laughs) there's other instances that could raise your concern as well. So here they are. So if these are happening to you, we'll talk about what you can do. So if, if somebody is having repetitive questioning within a short period of time, the same question gets answered, and then they ask it again. Getting lost on a familiar route, if driving and they can't find their way home, or walking and they get lost, or memory loss that affects any kind of daily function, or this is a big one, and I talk about scams all the time, falling for similar financial scams multiple times. That is usually someone that has dementia, and that is really something that has to be taken care of. So there are some common memory tests. So if you or one of your loved ones experience some of the things that I just talked about, 
The first step is to see your primary care doctor, or you could go to a geriatric physician. Now, that physician will typically do a short cognitive screening test before deciding whether to refer you to a specialist for more extensive memory testing. Now, there's a common test called the mini-cog, and this includes a, a comprehension and a recall. So the patient is asked to draw a circle for a clock and then to place the hands to reflect a specific time. For example, right now it's 4.27 p.m. So they, you might draw the clock and put it at 4.27 and then you ask the patient, what time is it? And see if they can say that it's 4.27. Or they give, uh, give uh, like three to five unrelated words like chair, pineapple, dust, TV, um, radio. And that uh, then later during the exam, that physician will ask for those words to be recalled. And you might recall, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, that uh, Trump had to take one of these tests. And he was so proud that he could recall I think it was five words, and I know one of the words was TV. Um, the mini mental state exam, it's called the MMSE, is another commonly used assessment. And it is a really quick way to evaluate language function, attention, speed of processing, visual and visual spatial context, as well as executive function. And that test takes maybe 10 minutes. And like the mini cog, the MMSE doesn't um, diagnose a specific underlying disease, but it can indicate if there are any cognitive problems that would warrant a further investigation. So what are these are like? So the, it consists of a series of questions and tests. So example, it, um, they always have an orientation portion of it, and that would be what is today's date? Um, what season is it? Is it spring, summer, fall, winter, an attention and calculation portion. They may ask you to count backwards uh, from 100, maybe by threes or by fives or by sevens. And I think actually that one's kind of a hard one because if you weren't really good at math, you may have to stop and think about it. The next one would be a language portion. And they would ask you to look at something and then state out loud what it is. For example, um, they would have you look at your computer and then you would have to say, this is a computer or a piece of paper. This is paper. And if those short exams suggest a potential problem, the physician may refer the patient to a specialist for further evaluation. Now, experts who diagnose and treat memory problems are known as neurologists. Now, neurologists are medical doctors. And they actually specialize in diseases of the brain, the spinal cord, and the nerves. And they are often consulted for any neurological or memory problems related to diseases like Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's. And they have expertise in various regions of the brain and the roles that the regions play in physical and mental functioning. Now, there's another specialist called a geriatric psychiatrist. They are also a medical doctor. And what their specialty is, is distinguishing between physical and psychological causes of disorders in older adults. And they are experts at dealing with memory problems, 
that could involve psychiatric issues like depression, anxiety, agitation, or any delusional disorders. Then there are geriatric uh, psychologists. Now, these people are PhDs. They have degrees in psychology and specialize in psychological assessments and the treatment of mental and nervous disorders. They focus on memory, competency, depression, and adjustment disorders like grieving when somebody dies or after an illness. Um, Through testing and therapy, they can really help patients with various psychological problems like PTSD. And they can help with anything associated with memory loss. Now, tests with these experts are all very comprehensive, more comprehensive than what you're going to get your primary care. And they probably will take longer, hour and a half to two hours. And you probably will have to go for several visits. And the tests might include, you know, neuropsychological assessments, which would be um, uh, written tests, you know, you write something on paper or conversations. And all of this would be to evaluate memory and the various aspects of thinking. And then diagnostic tests may also be ordered like blood tests, MRIs and CT scans, because sometimes you need all of these tools in order to find out what's going on. And some medical illnesses and medications can impact a person's memory and cognitive function. And that's why multiple tests may be needed to identify the causes of the symptoms. For example, um, Lyme disease can cause all kinds of uh, problems and, uh, and mental problems. And, you know, so you're, you don't have dementia, you don't have Alzheimer's, you have Lyme's disease. And it's a very hard disease to diagnose. So here's what you should know, according to the Alzheimer's Association, This is the following can help you distinguish an ordinary age-related change from a sign of Alzheimer's. So a sign of Alzheimer's would be poor judgment and decision-making, while just a typical age-related change would be making a bad decision once in a while. A sign of Alzheimer's would be the inability to manage a budget. Now, a typical age-related change could be just missing a monthly payment. A sign of Alzheimer's could be losing track of the date or of the season, but a typical age-related change could just be forgetting which day it is, but you remember, you know, quickly. A sign of Alzheimer's could be difficulty having a conversation, whereas just typical age-related would be forgetting which word to use, and that's not very frequent, but just once in a while. And then a sign of Alzheimer's would be misplacing things and being unable to retrace your steps to find them. But um, just a typical change would be you lose things from time to time, but then you can either trace your steps back to find them or remember where they are. Now, as I said, memory changes as we age and individual experiences vary, but there are some common changes that can occur. So I want to just go over those. So people often wonder if a memory lapse is age-related or something more serious, as I was saying at the beginning. And it is not always a clean division because people are living longer than they used to. So it's more challenging to discern between normal and abnormal cognitive aging. And not all memory loss is normal. 
progressively worsening memory loss um, is not healthy aging. You might think it's age-related, but it's, it's not healthy aging. So though everyone's going to experience mind and body aging differently, researchers have found some broad commonalities. And uh, this, these age-related stages of memory come from the Massachusetts General Hospital research. And um, they have found that certain elements of memory and cognition peak at different times of life. So this is an overview of their findings. So in your 20s, brain development peaks. You can learn, reason, process, problem solve, and remember new information as quickly as you will ever be able to do. So the 20s are a really good time to learn as much as you possibly can. In your 30s, learning, processing, reasoning abilities, and thinking speed start to gradually decline. And working memory, which is the ability to quickly pick up information, though, it peaks. It is, it's going high and higher. When you hit your 40s, cognitive function and memory are generally very strong, but there's subtle changes in your ability to remember new information. Your reasoning skills might slow ability, so slow a little bit, and your multitasking, if you're a multitasker, it starts to decline ever slightly. By your 50s, mild forgetfulness sets in. That could be memory, processing skills, and the ability to learn new information gradually declines. It's probably not the time to try learning a new language or to code or something that's going to be a lot harder. So your ability to recall vocabulary and general knowledge, though, will improve. So whatever language you are speaking, you'll probably be able to speak even better in your 50s. Now, in your 60s, memory processing skills and other executive functions, they do continue to decline. And comprehension of vocabulary and general knowledge, though, it stays stable and it can, it can actually increase. By your 70s, you might have a little more trouble with your working memory and information recall. It might be harder to formulate concepts and it might be harder to think abstractly. Now, in your 70s, that's when the risk of dementia really, really increases. So you have to be a little more cautious of what's going on in your life and in your brain. And this is why people are always recommending that um, you try to learn something new every day. You know, a lot of people do crossword puzzles or any kind of puzzles, but reading, you know, um, challenge yourself, keep challenging yourself. And by the time you're in your 80s, you'll have trouble with both short-term and long-term memory, possibly. It, and though in your 80s, the, the short-term and long-term memory issues will increase. And it might be harder to remember like everyday words and names. And I found this to be such an interesting statistic. By age 85, nearly one out of three people has Alzheimer's disease that has changes in the brain. So 33 and a third percent of everyone 85 and older is going to have something of Alzheimer's. Now, um, that with that talking about, I wanted just to read you kind of something that's a little bit 
it's funny. I just found it in my files. I keep a, a um, you know, funny sayings and a joke file. And I was going through it the other day and I thought, this is a good one. I love it. How to know when you're getting older. And I don't know who it's by because it was just anonymous, but, and I've had it for years. All right. So how to know when you're getting older. Everything hurts. And what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You feel like the morning after and you haven't been anywhere. You join the health club and you don't go. You need your glasses to find your glasses. Your back goes out more than you do. <laughs> your knees buckle, but your belt won't. Your mind makes contracts your body can't meet. Dialing long distance wears you out. Your children begin to look middle-aged. The gleam in your eyes is the sun hitting your bifocals. You look forward to a dull evening. You know all the answers, but nobody asks the questions. You have too much room in the house, but not enough room in the medicine cabinet. You stop looking forward to your next birthday, but boy, are you glad when it arrives. And that's what I have to say about aging today. I think that everybody is happy when their birthday arrives, even though they may not like the number that is showing up. But, you know, the alternative is um, is dire. So there are so many June birthdays. I have many, many, many friends who have a birthday in June. So I want to just say happy birthday to all the June babies and all the new babies that are being born and everyone who is either a Gemini or a Cancer, and now we're in Cancer um, and at summertime. Summer is a great time to, to have a birthday. So whatever your age, please enjoy it. So we're going to take a quick break. And after we come back, we will be talking a bit about reading and giving kids a boost with books. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I will be back in a bit. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Have you ever wondered where entrepreneurs get their ideas? The National Federation of Independent Businesses did a study of 3,000 business startups to find out where their founders first got their original ideas for their companies. And the results are quite interesting. 74% of the business owners copied, varied, or refined an idea of a prior employer. 20% of the business owners got their idea from reading, having a conversation, or just pure serendipity. A thought just popped into their head and it made sense. 4% of the business owners realized the power of the technological revolution and decided to exploit new technology. And only 2% conducted a systematic search for a business opportunity. So remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's Cynthia Bryan, Bryan with an I, dot com. Be the star you are. 
annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business it's so important to have passion to and purpose so that we can discover our possibilities. And part of getting that is being a reader. Here at Be The Star You Are, we have a motto. To be a leader, you must be a reader. Read, lead, succeed. And this is a motto I coined many, many years ago, about 25 years ago, I think now. And I just really believe that we need to give kids a boost with books. It's absolutely critical. And you can tell a lot um, from giving a toddler a book. Does she open it? Does she hold it? Does she turn the pages? Is it upside down? Does she eat it? These actions build actually early literacy skills that are essential to children's success once they get to school. And parents can model these schools, uh, these skills right from the start because parents really are their children's first and best teacher. Parents play the biggest role of all. I mean, more than any early childhood education center or any school system or daycare or or play dates. It's parents are so critical to getting kids to read. And children can learn to talk and read when people talk to them and read to them. And just five or ten minutes a day of reading is just great. So parents' role in modeling and valuing literacy through um, home activities, it's a cornerstone of future successful learning and school progress. So if you want your child to enjoy school, to become an intellectual, to uh, develop well, you want to give them books from a very early age. And you know the interaction between children and parents when they're engaged in any kind of literary activity, it strengthens the building blocks which facilitate the development of language, reading, and writing skills. And truly, the more you read, the better you write. And I can say that from experience. I am, I'm just a voracious reader. And I know that the books that I have read um, over my lifetime have informed the way that I write. 
I know that I do write, I try to write as I speak because I like, um, I like reading things that are a little bit more casual as opposed to sounding like an, an academic. I like people to be able to understand what I write about. So I do write kind of the way I speak. But I love reading everything. I mean, right now I am broadcasting to you live on the Voice America Network, but I'm actually broadcasting from my library. And my library, I am surrounded, completely surrounded by bookshelves. And I have thousands of books. And every single book in this room I have read at one time or another. I don't know if I'll ever get around to reading all of them, but I really collect the books. And I still have my childhood books. I have my books from college. And I have any books that I had to buy in uh, elementary school or even, uh, even high school. And, you know, some of the things are outdated, but it's very interesting sometimes to look back. So literacy and health. About one-third of children who enter kindergarten absolutely lack the language skills they need to learn to read. And that it was according to research that was published by American Academy of Pediatrics. So most children will catch up, but those who don't catch up by at least the third grade they're going to struggle throughout school and sometimes beyond. So all the research shows that people with lower literary skills have less knowledge about disease and preventative health than those who have stronger literacy skills. And that means if you don't have strong literacy skills, you're going to have higher rates of hospitalizations and more difficulty managing chronic health problems like diabetes or asthma. Or you might have just poorer health overall, have more of an obesity problem. So, you know, it's so interesting. We don't ever think of health and literacy as going hand in hand, but they, they, in reality, they really do. So uh, as a medical director of the Wisconsin Reach Out and Reach program um, said that when they hand out books to children during their well-child visits, they often write a little prescription for reading, and that is as important as any medical prescription that they could give. And so I love to write a prescription for reading, you know, and this is why, to me, giving the book is a book, um, is not just a book, it is a gift that can last a lifetime. So giving books is really um, a great, great gift, especially if you know what people like and enjoy reading. If they, if they enjoy a certain topic or a certain theme, they'll enjoy reading about it more than if you give them something that's random. Now, reading starts literally at birth. So the first few months and years of life are really the uh, spectacular opportunity to build connections in children's brains. And then those can be reinforced throughout a lifetime. Uh, it helps your children develop. And just by reading to them, even before they are talking or maybe even understanding the words, they're going to, their minds are going to be working and they're going to be um, establishing their vocabulary. You have to make reading part of a children's daily routine. And also what's important about it is it's a time that you give your child undivided attention. 
And every child really loves that. You know, and speaking of that, as I just said, that I just saw my um, little granddaughter, who's just two weeks old now, and I forgot how tiny they are. And she's just, she's just very, very sweet and very good. And all she's doing is, you know, eating and sleeping and we're changing and changing diapers. But uh, she's listening all the time and she's looking at you. And when you sing to her or read to her, it soothes her. And the important thing that I noticed is how important it is that connection that you're holding the child and you're reading to the child. I mean, it is showing a connection. So if you have an infant and that infant seems more intent on nibbling the pages than hearing the story, that's totally fine. That's maybe how a a four-month or a six-month-old baby is going to explore a book. It's, they are being little scientists, you see. If uh, dropping it or turning it around or upside down is what the child wants to do, as a parent, just go with it. Find another time to look at the pictures. What's important in the reading is the interaction. It is the closeness you're having with your child. You have your child on your lap. You're holding them in your arms. You're cuddling them. And you're communicating, you know, that's how you're innovating and, um, and collaborating with them. You want to engage and interact with your children. So reading is more than just that interaction that statistically says words out loud, because from the moment that a child can form a sentence, children are actively engaged in the process. For example, Read the title of the book and then show some of the pictures. Then ask, what do you think this book might be about? And then you could say, and why do you think that? So while reading, ask the child, what do you think will happen next? What do you think? When, why do you think that? And, you know, sometimes they make up their own stories or they tell you what's happening with the pictures. And that is all really great and fun. If the child's attention wanders or veers off on another detail, again, go with it. If you're looking at this book and the child is really interested in the bunny, then just talk about the bunny. Ask, you know, what does the bunny do? Does the bunny hop, pop, pop? Let's make bunny noses. The purpose isn't to get to the end of the book. The purpose is to have the conversation and the connection with your kids. And there are five R's. Instead of the three R's of reading, writing, and arithmetic, the American Academy of Pediatrics now encourages parents to practice the five R's. And this really enhances early education. So those are read together as a family fun activity, rhyming, playing, talking, singing, cuddling together throughout the day, Routines and regular times for meals, playtime, and bedtime so children know what to expect. Rewards for day-to-day successes like, you know, helping out around the house or reading maybe. And recognizing that praise can be powerful uh, from those closest to children. So, but make the praise meaningful. You don't praise just to praise. And then relationships that are two-way streets with parents and children Interacting regularly and parents nurturing children to promote healthy brain development. So again, I reiterate our motto here at Be The Star You Are. 
Read, lead, succeed. To be a leader, you must be a reader. Well, thank you so much for being great listeners and being here with me every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, coming to you live on the Voice America Network, where it's always star style, be the star you are. We try to bring you information that can change your life, make your dreams come true, keep you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And for more information about Star Style Productions or to buy any of my books, which you can get autographed, we're giving you a lot of freebies with every book purchase right now, and discounts on our Be The Star You Are series, visit CynthiaBryan.com. You can click on the Star Style store. If you would like to celebrate Nonprofit Day and make a donation to Be The Star You Are, Visit btsya.org. It's the initials for be the star you are.org. Uh, or you can go to the name be the star you are.org and make a donation there via PayPal. Or we also have um, another option for you, which is called Give Butter. My aim is always to encourage you, to inspire you, inform, amuse, motivate. And, you know, edutain and infotain you. So see beyond your physical being. Know you are ready to star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment of your life. And do make sure to read a book yourself this week and a read a book to your children every day, even just for a few minutes. A book is like growing a garden. It will flourish and bloom just keeping that mind fertilized. So until we celebrate next week, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. And don't miss listening to our teen show, Express Yourself, teen radio that airs right here on the voice america empowerment channel on sundays at 3 p.m pacific and until then be your unapologetically authentic self make it a wonderful week dream create inspire make a difference and most of all enjoy summer stay safe smile and get some fresh air thanks for joining me be the star you the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.